to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there, welcome, welcome. It's the 12th of uh, September, 2019. Uh, I'm trying to forget there's a debate tonight. <laughs> I don't wanna. I, I just don't wanna. I really don't wanna. God, Ed Rendell, former governor, uh, former DNC chair, uh, wrote a snarky piece for the Washington Post today about Elizabeth Warren. He's a Biden supporter. <clears throat> he may he makes clear that if she's the nominee, he'll move heaven and earth to get her elected. But man, the guys are coming with the long knives for Elizabeth. Uh, latest CNN poll shows her ahead of Bernie, trailing Biden, but moving closer. Uh, so... God, stop! Excuse me. I'm getting my teeth cleaned this afternoon. For the last two weeks, I have been getting text messages, emails, phone calls from my dentist's office. Enough! And then yesterday, it really pissed me off because the phone starts ringing. I go running for it, and it's yet another... We are looking forward to your appointment. I'm not. Jeez. And it said, your appointment, blah, 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 blah. Please respond. Please call and confirm. And I'm thinking, since when do I have to confirm that I am coming to... A and I got to go out of my way and call you? And then even after I do with teeth gritted, they still keep... Stop it! What, I suppose every once in a while someone doesn't show up, huh? But this, this is overreaction. And I think, I think after all the sharp objects are removed from my mouth, I will tell them to cease and desist. Jeez. God, I mean, if I'm not going to show up, I do call people and say I can't make the appointment. I guess some people weren't brought up correctly, but I was, so I needn't be hounded and pestered. Thank you. Where was I? Oh, Rendell. God. It was really, uh, he was all over her for, you know, saying that she would not accept big money uh, donations gotten at lavish, you know, lavish gatherings. When he said, uh, he said, well, that's interesting because I held such a fundraiser for you, Elizabeth. <laughs> In Philadelphia, Elizabeth, remember, for your senatorial campaign, I gave you $2,500. So did a lot of other people. So he's, he. I mean, the, the, the headline is she's a hypocrite or something. I mean, it's really over the top. And, uh, oof, just saying. What what strikes me about these poll numbers I'm seeing is is that they show, like, Biden at, I'm not, remembering this, the numbers exactly, but let's say Biden at uh, 30, I, just for instance. Warren at 18. Uh, Sanders at 16. Something like that. Well, here's the thing that I see when I look at those three numbers. If you add... Elizabeth Warren's 18 and Bernie Sanders 16, what do you get? You get 34%, right? Yeah. Which absolutely 
trounces Biden's whatever. Oh, not doesn't trounce it. 30. Did I give him 30? My, 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 what I'm trying to say is, is that people who are for her or for uh, Sanders are for the same kind of policies. So it'd sure be good, and I know who needs to go if Bernie would, uh, and let Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden um, duke this out. That's my sense. And I know it's we got more than a year, so it's really early. But right now, that's my sense. I don't know. And the reason is, guys, I just don't think it's smart. When we already have one old white guy as president who seems like a doddering fool, not seems, is a doddering fool, that we would replace that person with an, a person who would be the oldest president ever on his inauguration day. So needful, apparently, are, uh, are we for this reassuring presence of a white male. Because a woman, a woman, I don't know. What is the fear here? Oh, she can't win. As I think we said the other day, Hillary Clinton won. She won three million more votes than the white idiot guy. Just saying. So I was on the bus coming down here. I got a, I got a text from Susan, my sister. And she sent me a, an article that had been found by uh, one of her brother, brothers-in-law, who's very conservative. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't even begin to tell the story. And it was in a very conservative uh, slash, I think, religious publication. And um, in that publication... Well, the article is called Flight 93, The Crater and the Book, and the Open Book. And it's written by someone whose name we certainly recognize, Jerry Boyer, who uh, had, on 9-11, he had the show before mine. And here's where I don't, you know, as I've said many times, my entire life is a mystery to me. I don't recall anything. I recall 9-11 in this blurry kind of way, with a, and I do remember going in and joining Jerry before my show was set to start. I think, I, I'm not sure, I was doing um, probably 10 to 1. I don't know, it doesn't matter. He did the morning, early morning. And... I do remember that, and then Doug joined us as well. So all three hosts stayed on the air together. I absolutely recall that. And I was saying yesterday, if there's anything I would really just love to hear, it would be that those nine hours of, uh, of radio. They would be very raw, very real, very real time. Um, but I have no memory. And so I get this from Susan, and I, I don't read the whole thing, but it's, it's Jerry uh, saying that uh, he's heard a lot of people say, where was God, you know, uh, where was God on 9-11? And uh, his point in his piece is God was everywhere, uh, at every point in time and space of significance in the events of that day. He was in the date. 9-11? How does that put him in the date? Some numerology I don't know. He was in our mouths. He was in an open Bible found at the crash site. I never heard that before. 
is that an apocryphal tale or is that real? I mean, everything was incinerated there. Um, and he he says that he, I he says I was on the air that morning in Pittsburgh, and he's talking about how he's responding in real time in shock with his his callers calling in and how people were saying over and over again, oh my God, oh my God. So he, he's saying God's name was being invoked over and over again. And then he brings me in. And I'm just and, and, and I'm sharing this because I have no recollection of this. It does not matter that I have no recollection. I'm always grateful for people remembering parts of my life. And I am not suggesting that what he says here is not true. It sounds true. Um, but I have no memory of it. And that I would end up in this right-wing, right religious article is a little unsettling, but here it is. The next time I heard his, God's, name, he says, was in Hebrew. The station had decided to bring the other two hosts into the studio with me. Lynn Cullen, and he misspells my name. Where are the fact checkers here? I got an E on the end of Lynn. No, I don't. Lynn Cullen, he says, smart. Jewish, liberal, dovish on everything except Israel. Naturally, we were talking about the role of Israel in all of this. We were? What do you mean? Lynn took a call from one of her regulars, a Farrakhanite named Cynthia. Whoa! Now, I remember Cynthia from the north side, smart, Smart black woman um, who, yeah, probably would be a Farrakhanite. I don't know. I think her politics would be around there. And he quotes her as saying, you know, actually we are the real Israel. The Africans in America, we are the real Jews. I have no recollection of this. I'll defer to Jerry, but I have no recollection. And um, and then I really have trouble with this. He goes on to say, the nation of Islam people were reliable progressive allies, and most days Lynn would have taken it for the sake of solidarity. That is so untrue. I am the nation of Islam. <laughs> Are you... Kidding me? Farrakhan with his Jews as what? As as vermin and he is such an avowed anti-Semite. I'm gonna ever let something with Farrakhan pass or the Nation of Islam? Jesus. Anyway, so that's not true. But then he says this. But that day, that morning of 9-11, when Cynthia said, we are the Jews, the real Jews, he says this, Lynn's cheeks flushing, voice rising, eyes flashing. He says, I said, Shammai Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. And there was silence. Can you translate that, Cynthia? I said. No, I can't, said Cynthia. Then you aren't a Jew, apparently, I said. Click. And then Jerry says, and there was that name again. Adonai, the Lord.
I got to tell you, how do people remember back and forths? Now, it says that this was originally written in 2007, but that would still be, you know, many years after. The, how do you remember that stuff? I know there are people who remember conversations they had, the dates. Um, I have no memory of any of that. None. But I thought it weird since yesterday I was thinking I would love to hear that show again. But it's, uh, it's, it's lost to the ether. But it sounds right for I know how I was feeling that day. <laughs> we all remember that. That's like visceral. It's not up here. It's in the gut. And I was enraged. I think I said yesterday. So many people seemed fearful, and I couldn't get anywhere near fear. I just wanted to, I really, I wanted to kill somebody. I was enraged. Okay, all I'm saying. Oh, here's a weird thing I came across. So apparently the new iPhone has been launched. And the price dropped to a mere 700 bucks. Unless, of course, you want the really good one. And that then gets, I guess, over $1,000, the iPhone Pro or something, whatever the hell it is. Um, and they have this picture of the top of the the expensive one the and it has three camera lenses not just the one little but three and it is said that um this is on par with a a professional camera if you got a thousand dollars and more to spend on a phone. But here's the thing, the Washington Post reports. Apparently, a lot of people seeing pictures of this, the new iPhone with the three lenses, people have freaked out. I mean, seriously freaked out. Here is one Twitter user's words. The new iPhone is creeping me out with those three little cameras. And this person was not alone. And it turns out these people are creeped out because they suffer from a condition called tripophobia, which is a fear of clusters of small holes. A fear of clusters of small holes. Think of if you were to look at a strawberry, the outside of a strawberry. Think of all those little like spots all together. Strawberries freak these people out because all they see are these little holes and they get freaked. Honeycombs freak these people out. So there is actually a professor in, in England who studies this stuff, and he himself has a tripophobia. <laughs> and um, he says that any image that has like a series of holes, like think of a honeycomb or, a, yeah, a evokes... It can induce itching, nausea, vomiting. Did you had you ever heard of this? And now the iPhone is 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 like a problem for these people. Uh, support groups for this are popping up on social media. 
Um, one woman said, things that could set me off are pancakes. I thought, what? Pancakes? And then I remember, in your cooking a pancake, you know, those little, those little holes start clustering on the top of the batter as you're, it's in the pan. Imagine that your brain is triggered by something like that. Wow. Pancakes. iPhones. And then they go into describing what they think is happening, but it's well beyond my, uh, I don't know. There's, it's just theories. Um, and here's one guy's theory. The, listen to this. The mathematical principles hidden in such patterns require the brain to use more oxygen and energy, which can be distressing. I don't know about you, but when I look at a pancake, I don't start thinking about mathematical principles. He says this. The images have the same statistical properties and are intrinsically difficult for the brain to process, partly because we're evolved, we have evolved to look at images in nature, and these are not natural images. I, we know the images are difficult to process computationally by the neurons of the brain. Photos of honeycombs and strawberries for people, I don't know, what? Uh, create the same reactions uh, as more sinister sites like skin lesions. <laughs> what? How do we get from strawberries and pancakes to skin lesions? Ah, this one I like better. Other research suggests that this, like, being creeped by this might come from an innate uh, survival uh, mechanism to avoid infectious diseases and contaminated food. Some have also hypothesized that the fear could stem from an evolutionary response to dangerous animals, like leopards. <laughs> it doesn't say that. It doesn't. Cheetahs. No, it says frogs. Anyway, um, what can you do if you feel like retching every time you see the new iPhone? Now, here's where the article gets practical. Your best bet is to buy a black iPhone 11 Pro um, so that the camera lenses blend in with the rest of the phone. Or try covering one eye when you see the phones, which helps reduce activity in the brain. <laughs> All right, just just saying. I never heard of that one. Uh, and that is, again, called tripophobia, a fear of clusters of small holes. There are so many things that creep us out, that creep different people out. I, I have a friend who once told me, and I've, I've never forgotten it because it is something so strange to me. She is like totally, like can't, it's worse than chalk on a blackboard, which by the way doesn't bother me at all. When you open, let's say, a, uh, a bottle of pills and there's cotton stuck in, cotton batten kind of stuff, I don't see that very often anymore. You just see the, the you know, a seal of some sort. But when they used to, you know, aspirin, and then there'd be that cotton stuck in it. She could not bear to remove the cotton. Somehow the sound of the cotton coming through, what kind of a sound could that be? It'd be so like almost silent. 
But that act of pulling the cotton would, like, make her go insane. So we all have these little things. My little thing, and don't ever do this around me, and people do all the time. Somebody is wanting to fold something. Okay, I'm okay so far. They're folding like this. And then they start that really, here, see if I do it myself if it bothers me. Like, they start like with their really going, I, that, to me, is chalk on a blackboard. I like, can't. So we all have these weird things. But anyway, that's one of the stranger uh, reactions to the, uh, the new iPhone, which I wanted to share with you. Little Tony writes, Lynn, I was listening to you and Doug and Jerry that day. I don't remember what any of you were talking about that day. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it sounds like something Cynthia would have said, though. I agree. She calls Chris Moore every Sunday on his show. There isn't a conspiracy theory that she doesn't believe in. For that matter, so does Chris, but I do enjoy listening to his show sometimes. When Cynthia calls, I usually turn off the radio for five minutes and then turn it back on when she's done. Uh, FYI, she voted for Trump. What? She voted for Trump because, according to her, Hillary was pure evil. All right, okay. Well, thank God I'm rid of Cynthia. Wow. Yeah, I must say, though, when I was on radio, we had a lot more callers than we, you know, I get now because I'm only on for this one hour. And it's a, uh, it's a minority of uh, the audience that is listening live. And then it's a minority of that minority that would ever call the show or interact with it. Um, but when you're on for three hours... Uh, you obviously you have a, a much bigger uh, reach. Okay, so I guess that's. Uh, oh man! Hey, just a programming note for tomorrow. I'm not here, uh, and I've mentioned before that there is a show that goes on in my absence on Fridays. Check it out. Sounds like they're doing a really good one tomorrow, and I wanna I wanna promote it. Um, Amanda Walls of City of City Paper is going to be uh, interviewing uh, Sally Wigan, and and this coincides with uh, the City Paper uh, cover story on recovering uh, addiction uh, addicts, and uh, Sally, I guess, professes to. Uh, be a recovering alcoholic. I I can attest that she couldn't hold her liquor. I'll tell you that. She couldn't hold anything. <laughs> Very susceptible to the slightest bit. But yeah, so she I guess is one of the speakers at some event, and she'll be talking about her struggles with um, with alcohol. And I, I do know she doesn't she doesn't touch it anymore. It's true. Um, so that's tomorrow. They'll be doing that. Just wanted to let you know. It'd be Sally in maybe a different light than how you've seen her when she comes on with me. Uh, oh my God, Milton says ah. Oh, what a horrible... Oh, but those set me off. Ah! Oh, my God, I have trypophobia. Oh, my God, Milton. Milton sent me some pictures that would gross anybody out because those are unnatural. He sent me a picture of a back that is just filled with circular lesions and then one with a foot ooh, with holes all over it. And then what's that? Oh yeah, but those all. But yeah. Oh God, that's they all set me off. I mean, because they're just gross. But the iPhone isn't gross. I mean, these are gross. 
can I hold this up to the camera? I want you to tell me these aren't gross. Hey, let me know if you can see this. Who could look at any of those? Who could look at any of those and not puke? Excuse me. Okay, so we're all tripophobics. I have to get rid of that, Milton. I have to, have to, have to. Oh, God. Well, that's just like... Jeez. I'm trying so hard not to talk about you know what today. And I, I don't think I'm going to make... Oh, I saw. For the 20th time. I'm probably not exaggerating much there. Um, a movie last night on Turner Classic Movies that is... I just, for some reason, last night, I thought it was more brilliant than I've thought before, and I've always thought it's brilliant. It has to be one of the best, best movies ever. And incredibly, it takes place in one room. So, no car chases, no sex. Just this one claustrophobic room on a hot, hot summer day with 12 men in it, a jury. And the movie is called 12 Angry Men. It, I think, came out in 1957. And I'll tell you, if you watch that movie today, there it is. Our America, the same America. It's not like we used to be something else and have become this thing we are. The thing we are has been there all along. It is just that Donald Trump and the Republican Party have set free the worst aspects of America's psyche. Because here's a movie from 1957, and it's about the trial of a Hispanic boy for killing his father. That's the charge. The jury is composed entirely of white men because that's the way it was. Twelve white men sitting in judgment on this poor kid. And it is brilliant. The acting in it is brilliant. The, every, the script is brilliant. And what it does, it, 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 to me, it's like, really, if you've never seen it, please, please see it. Twelve Angry Men. Sidney Lumet, director. Henry Fonda, producer. Never produced another film. I guess he quit while he was ahead. But hell of a job. He also is in it. Some extraordinary acting. Lee J. Cobb, Jack Klugman, E.G. Marshall, Jack Warden, Martin Balsam, for those of you who know old movies. Um, it is an extraordinary study of human character. And sometimes that character is laudatory, and sometimes that character is frighteningly maimed, hurt. Humans carry such baggage from their childhoods, from who knows what, and they become adults, and they are still carrying it, and 
I don't know. I just think it is one of the most brilliant psychological studies, studies of America, I think, American racism. It really is strong on racism in America and clearly shows unabashed racism in some of its characters. But then there are those few who, like, get the promise of America, get the idea of what their job is, that a man's young boy's life is in their hands. So you see, I mean, to me, it was, it is such a right-on depiction of the America that I love. And that now is is under such assault. It doesn't paint a totally rosy picture, obviously. I mean, it, it is brilliant. Just brilliant. Twelve angry men. Please. I wish you all could have been there in my house last night watching with me. Because I was just... And I've seen it a million times. And I I could watch it again tonight. You know, with... Uh, whatever. Okay. Uh, little Tony says again, Lynn, uh, to be clear, Cynthia admits to voting for him, but she did later regret it. Well, sure. I mean, excuse me. But, yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry doesn't help, Cynthia. And all you other Bernie bros. Sorry doesn't help. The Bernie bros alone gave us Trump. And I'm quite sure that that would have been her guy, Bernie. Right? And, of course, Hillary was pure evil. What was Donald Trump? Un. Believable. And Chris voted for Jill Stein. Well, they both got had. Fine. And they both gave us Donald Trump. I am really sick to hear that about Chris. Jesus. All right. Um, oh, Milton... Milton, okay, wait, let me get a, a, a call in. We have a caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. I'm calling to unsurprisingly agree with you about 12 Angry Men. Did you I mean, there are such... Did you long, watch it last night? Yeah, well, I, I actually had it on my DVR, and I watched it a couple of weeks ago, so I didn't watch it last night. Okay. But it's very fresh in my mind, and will always be fresh, because... There are long stretches in that movie where I don't think I breathe. I, I, it, it is so dramatic, and there are such emotions revealed. And you have these twelve men, and there's not a there's not a weak link in the bunch as, as far as the acting. Not it's not a not really at all. amazing. And Lee J. Cobb, I watch Lee J. Cobb is just amazing. Jack amazing. Warden is just amazing. Right. And, and it's such a, uh, you learn so much, like you said, about what people, people appear one way on the outside, and then you see that core of pain relieved, uh, I mean revealed, right. from uh, what they've been carrying. And it's, uh, uh, it's, it's heart-wrenching, but it is, uh, it's thrilling. It takes place in one room, but it is, it's thrilling. There's not a, a second of boredom in it. And I had forgotten what a great actor Jack Warden was. I watched him in a movie the other night with Sidney Poitier, uh, Edge of the City. And wow, he's just so great. He's amazing. And, and I have such a crush on Sidney Poitier. Oh, God. Well, who didn't? <laughs> yeah. Who didn't? But, uh, I, I share your, your plea to, to your audience. Please watch 12 Angry Men. It's so and great. it's just so right on about our country. 
And so I, I, isn't that true? I mean, there it is. I mean, racism and the, it's all right there. It was always there. Yep. But the decent folk used to speak out a little more or be heard. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's always been there. Look, we're, 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 uh, we're born of racism in this right. country. Totally. And it's, uh, it's, it's always been there. It's when uh, it's the times and the places and the situations where it rears its, its ugly head. And now it's, uh, it's been uh, let loose and uh, it has free reign and it's been empowered and given the go ahead of very fine people. Yes, exactly. Very fine people. Thank you, Jonathan, my right. fellow TCM All right, thanks, aficionado. Okay. <laughs> Bye. 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 And we have another caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hello. Hello. Hi. Speaking of angry men, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, rant to, no rant today. Okay, yeah. But I want to say there is some good news yesterday. What? T-Bone Pickens died. Oh, for God's both, sake. <laughs> yeah, good news. And then we have uh, both of the Koch uh, brothers dead, aren't they? Both of them, the brothers? So no, just the one. glimmer of good news. No, just the one. They're on my ESAD list. Eat shit and die. I, I, and see, I'm not a religious person, so I, I say shit like this. My dad used to be the same way. You're not going to like it? I don't care. If somebody's no damn good, you're better off. The world's better off when they're gone. It really is. And I believe truly that there's people in this world right now. And they're. What? We lost you. I mean. Okay. We lost you there for a second. But I no, I agree with you, too, that there are people that we would be better off if they went away (laughs) forever. And, um, And it's hard not to celebrate their deaths. So I've never understood that, that you can't speak ill of the dead or stuff like that. I, I think that's bullshit. I think we've lost him for some reason. Okay, sorry, sorry. But I think we got your, the gist, as they say. Um, Laura says, it's a great movie for your listeners who have Amazon Prime and have never recently. That's what a movie should be, what that is. And Milton has actually gotten a little snippet of it here. This is, you know their names. They're just juror 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And it's only at the end that you, it, it, it's just wonderful. And it, I, I, again, shows the worst and the best of America always obscures the truth. I don't really know what the truth is. I don't suppose anybody will ever really know. Nine of us now seem to feel that the defendant is innocent, but we're just gambling on probabilities. We may be wrong. We may be trying to let a guilty man go free. I don't know. Nobody really can. But we have a reasonable doubt. And that's something that's very valuable in our system. No jury can declare a man guilty unless it's sure. So you do, you like learn about, you're reminded of what our system is. You're reminded of the cowardice of most people. Uh, Most people are not leaders, so initially... Everybody just agrees, slam dunk, he's guilty. And then little by little, I, I mean, the odds are, in reality, this kid would have been found guilty. And it was a, it was a, he, he was going to the chair, so they knew if they, if he was guilty, they were killing him. And that only initially gave pause to one man. And most people are afraid to stand up when they're in that much of a minority. Most of us. Most of us. 
as I said, it's a, it's a real look at human character and sometimes very, I don't know, I can't come up with the word right now. It's tough. Wondrous, though. We have a call, Herb? Hello. Morning, Lynn. It's Roger. How are you? Fine, fine. Um, yeah, I love that movie. Um, I watched it a few weeks ago. And um, a couple of things I picked up. Well, what you were just talking about, the reasonable doubt. Yeah. I don't know what that means to people because, that, and as that movie indicated, yeah, we really don't know, but we're willing to put this guy to death. And I never could, I mean, reasonable death, it must be really flimsy or something. Do you know what I'm saying? It's amazing how how many many people, people, it's amazing how many people in our system are just regularly found guilty when there is that reasonable doubt um, that they are, if you have a reasonable doubt, you're supposed to say not guilty. And to imagine that 12 people over and over and over have no reasonable doubt because regularly juries convict, 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 convict. They do. But, but, but on top of that, like if you look at the wonderful state of Texas, you know, not only do you have a jury willing to do that, you would think there would be an intelligent judge who would say, all right, I know you found them guilty. But I'm not putting this guy to death because, in my mind, doesn't that judge have the that prerogative, or are they just that heartless? I don't know if a judge in a capital case can do that. If a jury comes in with the verdict, I, I don't know. Wow, I have no idea. Um, okay. Jeez, um, I, I, I actually, uh, you know, I. I I bump into other dog walkers, and and one was telling me a story of a uh, of a guy who just uh, was sitting in a, a criminal case uh, here in Pittsburgh, just got off um, his jury duty, and um, the the perpetrator was uh, had a um, what do you call it public defender because couldn't afford uh, a other lawyer. And the jury, yeah, convicted him because they convict everybody, everybody. And the guy on the jury said he thought he could have done a better job representing the defendant than the public defender did. And that's some guy's life, some guy's Mm -hmm. life. And for all I know, he's going to jail for the rest of his life. I don't know exactly which case it was. Going to jail for the rest of his life. And nobody had a reasonable doubt. And a juror actually felt he was not adequately represented. Which seems to me to give you a reasonable doubt. I, I just don't get it. I, I thought Anyway, the, the other thing that was interesting about that movie, I don't know if it was the Lee J. Cobb character. Maybe you just talked about some of his preoccupied when he really like just let out his, his racism, or it could have been uh, Ed Begley. Ed Begley was the big, I think, was the biggest racist. Yeah, yeah. And and everybody just turned away from him. It was Begley. I, yeah, people turned away. Okay. It, I thought that well, was a well, little. People turned away. I thought that was a little heavy-handed, frankly. But yeah. They literally shunned him, which I don't know if that was an accurate uh, portrayal of America in 1957. I don't think that would have happened 60 no. years ago, but uh, no. especially with, with all the white guys in the room. But yeah. that, was, that was political correctness, as right. some people well, would look at it today. It was a, rom- a romantic view, I think. It, it was, I mean, the movie was trying to make a point that this should be shunned, right? Yeah. But I, I thought... Yeah. They digressed a little bit there because some of the people turning their backs were themselves racist. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, but and, and when when I watched the movie a few weeks ago, and um, and I listened to the guy talk at the end, 
and, and maybe you want to Google the friendship between uh, Henry Fonda and Jimmy Stewart. Oh, yeah. And um, it, and they were opposite ends of the political spectrum. Right. Fonda time. was Fonda was liberal. Uh, Stewart was conservative. And they had a long, long friendship. Yeah. 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 It, but, but they did have a, a, a actual fight, you know, with, you know, physical brawl, I guess. And then oh, yeah. after that, they said, agree. No more politics. And then it's like... <laughs> I think that's where we're at right now. Yeah, really, really, really. Well, they're both great actors, I'll say that much. Man. Oh, yeah. I I enjoyed it. Um, And earlier talking about the the, the Bernie people who voted for Trump, I guess one of your friends or one of your listeners, again, I kind of tuned in a little late. Yeah, it's okay, it's okay, yeah. And and, and I I was having a, a conversation with my sister who is a Republican, but she agrees that Trump's really bad, but boy, that Hillary really, really, really bad. And I said, well, what are you going to do this election? Because she said, she says, well, hopefully somebody in the Democratic Party will step forward we haven't seen it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You mean <laughs> out, of the 20, out of the 24 people who are up for all of them? And, 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 yeah. and I actually saw a, a yard sign basically said, and this is where I'm coming from, any functioning adult 2020. Right. And when she said she would vote the same way again, I just said, I got to go. And I hung up the phone. And yeah. I haven't talked to her since. I don't know what to do with that type of thing. She's not a dumb woman. I don't know. I feel for you. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's just beyond me. And I'm, I mean, I have, I have people in my more extended family thank god my you know my siblings and uh are on the same page with me i would find that really unsettling so i'm sorry roger i know you're surrounded yeah well cling to your wife (laughs) that's all i (laughs) can say (laughs) (laughs) okay thank you so much Bye. All right. I'll enjoy the rest of your day. Thank Bye-bye. you. You too. Bye-bye. Hmm. Okay. Well, geez, we almost made it. It's like we got seven minutes, but I don't have anything else I have. I'm just looking real fast if maybe I could pull something out that wasn't. No, no, no. Okay. So I'll I'll just very quickly, uh, you know, say something about some of the other stuff in the news. Um, A lot on Twitter, a lot of people are having a heyday with the fact that (laughs) um, the vaping crisis has killed, as far as we know, six uh, people. And you got the White House saying, this is a crisis and we are banning flavored <clears throat> vapes, flavored, uh, yeah, e-cigarettes. Boy, that's some fast action, ain't it? Six people die and you jump in and ban something that a lot of Americans like and that they know has a potential for danger, but they still choose it. Um... Other people are saying if uh, thoughts and prayers are good enough to fight the gun epidemic, uh, they're not good enough for the vaping epidemic. I mean, the gun epidemic, you've got tens of thousands, tens of thousands, a hundred people a day dying from guns. And all you can do is hope, is prayers and thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Six people go down for vaping. I mean, the, well, obviously. Oh, this is a shocker. The Trump administration is finalizing its gutting of the Clean Water Act. It is expected today to complete the legal repeal of a major Obama-era clean water regulation. And listen to what this terrible measure that they're going to get rid of today. 
it was called Waters of the United States Rule. <laughs> because it placed limits on chemicals, polluting chemicals, uh, that could be used near streams and wetlands and water bodies so that it leaches into the water. And they're going to take that away. So this is what Republicans believe. The, uh, uh, an act called Waters of the United States rule, meant to protect those waters, is to be destroyed. And so their new, actually, they should have a name for their rollback, which essentially should be, excuse me, fuck the waters of the United States rule, because that's what Trump is doing today. This is an assault on our streams and our wetlands. Um, he's going to announce this at a meeting today of guess who? the National Association of Manufacturers. Because manufacturers love using all kinds of horrific chemicals and being able to dispose of them where, when, and how they choose. They don't want any government regulation. Oh, God. So, as I said yesterday, while we all watch, you know, the the bigger, you know, hoo-ha, Bolton, uh, by Greenland, uh, this, that, and the other thing, these, these regulations that have guarded public health and safety and the environment are just being... They're eviscerated. I, is there anything that passed during uh, the eight years of the Obama presidency that um, has not been rolled back? Hamstrung? Uh, in, 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 I, I don't think there is. I mean, it's like they came into office with a list. Here's what he did. And they're just... I mean, pulling us out of treaties, uh, everything. Just cross that one off. We did that. We did that. We did that. Everything. Just literally obliterating his record. Hey, did you see what the North Carolina Republicans did yesterday? Um, there was a commemorative event for 9-11 uh, yesterday morning. And there was also a session of their legislature at 8.30 in the morning. And they, you know, and, and a bunch of people went to the Speaker of the House there and said, you know, we intended to go to the, uh, there's not any major business that we're missing, right? And the Republican Speaker said, oh, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. The vast majority of Democrats went to the 9-11 <clears throat> memorial. The Republicans? Not so much. They went back to the assembly where all of a sudden, with all the Democrats out, they had enough votes to override a veto of the budget from the Democratic governor. So that these Republicans actually hoodwinked <laughs> Democrats and use 9-11. Oh, no, go to the memorial, of course. Go to, we're just going to do some basic housekeeping kind of stuff. They used a 9-11 memorial to do this undemocratic skullduggery. They are, I got to tell you, Republicans, and I've said it for I don't know how many years, long before Trump, they are the most shameless bunch I've ever experienced. Shameless. And if somebody is not shameable, it's pretty hard to beat them in a fair fight. I'm not kidding. And we've been losing.
okay, that's it. I'm done. Uh, and remember tomorrow, Sally Wigan on uh, recovery, if you want. Uh, and I'll be back on, on Monday. I hope you all have a, a good uh, time. Until then, bye-bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.